doing this morning? I don't ever get to walk down the center aisle. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Is that how it goes? I'm really excited about this time of year. I don't know if you are, but this is a really big deal. I'm not really into college bowl games, but I really did like your analogy. And I do want to wear the maroon uniform. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. And one of the reasons why is because I know that Jesus was not just a fan. He was the one who he put on that jersey, and he was the one who would who'd come in and offer salvation for each one of us. So I don't know about you, but this is really exciting. A, a brand new year. It's a, it's a new start. I don't know why, but maybe just because I'm so self-aware that I recognize all my many faults, or just because I'm so ambitious and I think that I can fix them, that I love the new year. Because I can start making these lists of things that I want to do better this year, and I'm going to be on time to things, and I'm going to eat less food, and I'm going to spend you know more time in prayer and less time on Facebook, or all these different uh, things that I want to do, these New Year's resolutions. So it's really exciting for me. And one of the things I'm super excited about is the fact that we're going to be starting a new class coming this Wednesday, and we're encouraging you to participate as much as you can. Uh, this has uh, been the works. Um, God has been working on Bill Jarrett uh, for many years and in different ways. Uh, and once again, Bill is starting up a, a prayer class this Wednesday night. It's at 6.30. There's a lot of reasons why you should attend that class. As always, we start with a meal before at 6 o'clock or maybe a few minutes before if you want to get there early. And then at 6.30 when we have our, our class uh, we're, they're going to dismiss and Bill is going to take a group and they're going to go off and they're going to start praying. Uh, and if nothing else, it gets you a hall pass to get out of my class. So that would be a reason why you might want to go. But if anything, if anything good will come out of the ministry here in Hobbs, it's going to be because it is God's will that it be done. That nothing good will come out. Trust me, there are a lot of better preachers out there than me. And you could bring any of them in. We can start getting a list. We can have Max Lucado come in. We can have Rick Ashley come in. We can have all these guys come in. But if we don't have the Lord here, it doesn't matter. And so what we need to do is we need to be people who will commit to pray. And this is one way in which we can do it. Bill has some great ideas in which uh, you can get together and pray. I know there's others who feel strongly about this. I've even told him, I said, I can't wait. I'm going to skip class a few times so I can go in there and pray with you guys. Uh, He did want to make sure you knew one thing for sure, that if you choose to go in there and be in that group, you will not be handed a microphone and have a spotlight and say, give us your best prayer. Uh, If you want to go there and just be a silent uh, prayer partner in that, uh, please feel free to do so. Don't feel like you're going to be forced to pray. Uh, If you feel uncomfortable with doing that, just go in there and and pray silently with those in there. And there's going to be some different ways he's going to do it, and I'm excited about it. So uh, I hope you look forward to it as well. Um, Just out of curiosity, uh, can somebody tell me who Sam Bowie is? Somebody want to tell me who Sam Bowie is? I'll give you a hint. He wasn't at the Alamo, and he didn't invent the knife, okay? So that's, that's not him. We'll come back to that in just a minute. 
What we're talking about over the course of the next several months, believe it or not, is we're going to be talking about elders. Now, for some of you, you may think, oh no, this is, we got to go through this long elder search process. Elder search processes can be somewhat like minister search processes. They can be like uh, building processes where you're building a new building. Sometimes it can just kind of take the, the focus and the excitement out. But I want to suggest that this can do just the opposite. That this is an, a time, an opportunity where we can look at ourselves and see what God has in store for us and how we can continue to grow and how we can have some new men partner with this phenomenal leadership that we have to continue to do really great things. And so I want to encourage you, don't look at this as, oh no, we have the next eight months of uh, sermons on elders um, I think I'm going to offer something a little bit different to that, and, and hopefully you can hang with us, and this will be a time that is really, really exciting. I went ahead and brought one of these up. It was on there. It's not Scotty's fault. It looked great on my computer, but it didn't show up on the screen. That's not these guys' fault. I don't know what happened. Uh, the bug caught it in between. But out on the, the Welcome Center, I just want to make a quick note. Uh, we have, um, this is what's going on for about the next 10 or 11 weeks. Uh, a step-by-step of what's taking place with this elder search process. There has been countless, countless, countless hours of prayer and discussion and consultation uh, and, and studying the scriptures from the elders. This, this actually began almost a year ago. So if there's anybody who is tired of hearing anything about elder search, it would be the elders and the ministers. But we know that this is an exciting time, and we're, we know that God's going to do great things through it. Uh, we have had visitors come in, uh, some uh, doctors uh, who've come in and helped discuss with us about this. And so we feel like, like we are putting our best foot forward. What we really need from you is a positive attitude and lots and lots and lots of prayers. So, let's do what everybody does when we start an elder search. Let's go to the scriptures, and where else would we go to but First Timothy chapter 3. And I'm just going to read this through, uh, this one section. We're going to be starting in verse 1. And we'll end in verse 7, and then we'll jump on again. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. For those of you who have committed to reading the Bible all the way through this year, you haven't made it to Timothy yet, but you will in a few months. So let's go ahead and sneak ahead on this one. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. This is a a passage written by, anybody want to guess? Paul. Remember, anytime you're not sure who wrote it, if it's in the New Testament, it's almost always Paul. 
Paul wrote it, and this is an easy one. Who did he write it to? Timothy. Okay, here's a harder question. Where is Timothy right now as this is being written? As, as it was written, not right this second. We know where he is. Where was he then? It's a city. It rhymes with Sisyphus. <laughs> e- Ephesus. He is in Ephesus. What do we know about Ephesus? Did Paul ever visit Ephesus? Yes, he did. In fact, most of Paul's ministry occurred in Ephesus. In fact, it's the only place he spent more time than in jail, was in Ephesus. He was in Ephesus quite a bit. He knew the church. You go back and look, Acts 20 talks about uh, that there were elders already instated. He instated elders in Acts chapter 20. When 1 Timothy is written, it's later on in his life, we have Ephesus is now a little bit older church. Um, It's been around for 20, 30 years now. Okay, Uh, so at that point, that's as old as the churches were at that time. Now we're going to jump to another uh, writing, and this one is Titus. So let's go ahead and go over there. Titus chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5. This is the other premier passage on elders, and I want to read this to you. Follow along with me if you have your Bibles. 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, Titus 1, starting in verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Okay, so I want to take a few minutes and I want to do what we love to do with 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus. What do we do with this? We take it, we put it in, we put it on a spreadsheet. And we list out everything that they say. And beside that, we put a little check mark box. So that we can go down the list and say, you have to be blameless. Check. You have to be, have obedient children. Check. You have to be the husband of one wife. Check. You have to be not a, a lover uh, of wine. Check. So we have all these things and we make a checklist. Okay, I want to suggest, as so many people, so much smarter, smarter than I am, would say, this was never, ever intended to be a checklist. These are not qualifications of an elder. These are qualities of an elder. And I have a few reasons why I want to suggest that this is not merely a list. First off, Do you notice that, by the way, let me ask this question, uh, who wrote Titus? Paul. Who was it written to? 
It's another easy one. Titus. Where was Titus when it was written? Titus wasn't in jail. Paul was in jail. But where was, where was Titus? It gave a hint. Crete. What do we know about Crete? Crete was not like Ephesus. Ephesus had an established church. They already had elders. The, the area of Ephesus included about a quarter of a million people. Crete is a tiny island. It was new in its church. It did not have elders. Do you suppose that in some ways, if Paul is talking to Titus about Crete, it's going to be a little bit different than what he talks to Timothy, who's in Ephesus? Is that a fair statement? Okay, let me ask you this. Do you notice a difference between, if you want to call them lists, do you notice there's a difference What do we not find in the letter to Titus? What's not one of the qualities that Paul mentions? A recent convert. Why not, Brad? Why wouldn't he say, don't don't pick a recent convert in Crete? Why not? They're They're all recent converts. We have to remember that Christianity is still relatively new, and on Crete, it was very new. If it was, we, you can't have an elder who's a recent convert, no one, could be a, no one could be an elder. These weren't qualifications, these were qualities. I want you to think for just a moment about, let's talk about uh, when, you, when you were younger, for some of you who are younger, Alexis, if you're thinking about that dream man that you want to marry, do you have a list of things you would like to have? Sure. Are you willing to bend on any of those? Not right now. Good for you. Stick to your guns. There's some that you should. But Jennifer, she settled. (laughs) Bless her heart, she settled. Now let me tell you something. I've thought about this a lot, probably more than I should. But I look really, really good on paper. I do. I mean, think about this for just a second. I'm six foot two, 198 maybe 200 pounds, I have blonde hair, I have blue eyes. Come on, is that not a really good start? On paper, I'm strikingly handsome, (laughs) okay? In person, it doesn't quite translate quite the same. Lists are lists, but God is not looking for people who check a box. He's people who have a heart. It's for people who have a heart. If this is the be-all, end-all list, then we're in big trouble. Because there's some things that Paul doesn't include on this list. That if this is all they have to do, you have to make all of these and nothing more, then we're kind of in trouble. Have you noticed some things that aren't on this list? Do you notice he never says they should be loving? Do you notice that the list, the list never says you need to be forgiving? The list never says they need to be evangelistic in nature? If Paul had wanted to create a list that was the be-all, end-all, don't you think that love would be at the top of that list? That being a forgiving person? These would be things that you would want to have. Now, I asked you a question earlier. Did anybody figure out, I don't know if anybody Googled this, Sam Bowie. 
Who's Sam Bowie? You've got to know Lance. If you don't know, you're in, he's a basketball player. What's Sam Bowie's claim to fame or his infamy? Does anybody know? What? What? He was picked before Michael the Airness Jordan. The Portland Trailblazers passed on Michael Jordan to pick who? Sam Bowie had an illustrious 10-year career with the Trailblazers in which he played approximately 500 games. He averaged about 10 points a game. He had somewhere in the neighborhood of, what, 5,000 points when he retired 10 years later. Had a kind of rough career, had a lot of health issues. Do I need to list the accomplishments of Michael Jordan? But let me ask you this. How did the Trailblazers mess up so badly? And their argument was, well, we picked Clyde Drexler the year before, so we had that position set. We didn't need another. But they missed the greatest basketball player, certainly of his era, for Sam Bowie. What's the deal? Is it quite possible that you can get caught so much up in stats of, hey, instead of going with somebody from North Carolina, let's pick a more prominent school, even better than that, like Kansas. How about that? Kentucky, excuse me. Maybe, maybe there's more to a person than stats. Maybe there's more to a person than just a list. These are qualities in which you would want from an individual. This is not a list of here is how we can tear apart any man who would be considered as an elder. I know four super phenomenal, wonderful elders. And if you go down the checklist, there are times in their lives where they would suggest that, you know what, blameless is probably not the right word to use for me at this moment. Paul's not asking for perfection. He's looking for people who share the qualities that Jesus had. And I want to sum up these these qualities by using just these, these three words. There are three overall topics in which Um, categories in which Paul was shooting for. The first thing he said was this, based on 1 Timothy 3, uh, on Titus, and there's numerous other verses that we're going to be looking at, most of uh, in class uh, in just a few minutes. But the first one is this, they have to be someone of moral character. They have to be someone of moral character the way that they deal with other people, the way they treat others, the way that they're honest, the way that they're hardworking. The morals are important. The second thing is this. Paul said, you need to find somebody not only with moral characters, but with leadership abilities. 
It has been suggested as I've had numerous conversations with other ministers, with professors, uh, with different teachers uh, about this subject of how do we go about finding, selecting godly people. One of the things they said was, if you're looking for an elder, one thing you're going to notice is that there are people who look up to them regardless of a title. That there are people who choose to follow them, to listen to them, to seek their guidance, their wisdom, and their counsel. There are people who, as one professor said, they already have a flock, so to speak. There are those in whom they look after and those who look up to them. So not only do they have to have morals, not only do they have to have leadership abilities, but the third one is this. They have to have a willingness to serve. They have to have a willingness to serve. I think we've kind of lost the idea of what being a servant means. We exonerate that, and rightfully so. Jesus himself was a servant, and we glorify the idea of, make me a servant, Lord, make me like you. But the reality is, is that being a servant is a whole lot harder than what you might think. Because it's not about simply this wonderful notion of being kind and humble, but it's actually living it out. Several years ago, as I was uh, writing a, a ref- reference letter for a young man who, who I had become very close with through the youth group and on, even in his college years, we stayed in touch, and I, I was writing a reference letter for him, uh, and I was trying to, in some way, describe uh, his willingness to be such a wonderful servant and leader at the same time. And I said, you know what, um, Ryan is like... A headlight. Ryan is a headlight. Ryan's not afraid to let his light shine. He will let it shine down the road so, so the, the car and its occupants can arrive safely. But Ryan is also willing to have his light turned off during the daytime when he's not needed and sit there and catch bugs the whole way just so when he is needed to shine his light, he'll do it. Being a servant doesn't always mean that we're in the spotlight. It doesn't always mean that things are glamorous. Being humble can be humbling. And yet, that's what Paul suggests as he writes these two letters to two different individuals. I don't know what Paul would write if he wrote a church, if he wrote a letter to us here in Hobbs. If we could ask him, hey Paul, we're, we're looking to, to add some elders, what, what do you think we should be looking for? I think there will be a lot of similarities with what he wrote to Ephesus and to Crete, to Timothy and to Titus. But I think it might be a little different too. What he's going to call us to do is look for people who love the Lord, who want to serve Him, who will follow Him in the light and in the darkness, and who will choose to serve.
Folks, we've been overly blessed. I've only been a part of, of four churches in my life. And I've seen some, some great leaders and I've seen some good elders. And none of them compare to what we have here. We have a phenomenal group of men. And I know that as we continue on in this process, if we put God first and bathe this in prayer every day, I have no doubt that God is going to add to our eldership a group of men who will be loving, who will be mentored by our guys who are currently in, and who will be of great service to the kingdom. My prayer is that you will join me. That you will all join me as we pray for these men. One more thing. You're not off the hook. I don't want you to think that because we're going to be talking about elders for the next several months, that this is one where you can come in and snore or skip or play hangman. Because what we're really going to be talking about is not just qualities of elders. We're going to be talking about qualities of Christians and how all of us continue to grow closer to Christ and be more beneficial in His kingdom in reaching the lost. This morning, uh, I am going to offer a, a prayer of inv- uh, offer an invitation as I always do, but I want to close out Uh, this portion with a prayer. And I'm going to ask if you would join me as we pray for our elders. And if you would do so, if you would stand now, and I want to offer a prayer for them and for the process and that God may be glorified through this. Let's Let's all bow. Father God, we recognize that You are an awesome and mighty and powerful God. And Lord, we just... We plead that, that You work mightily in our lives. And we know that that means that we may have to move some stuff out of our lives to create space. And Lord, I pray that we'll do that. Lord, I pray if there's those of us who have uh, allowed things to come in the way, uh, that, that You compel us, that You touch our hearts, and that You transform us. Lord, in everything we need You, but especially now. Lord, we just pray that your, your wisdom and guidance will be seen as we look to find uh, leaders who will continue to serve you and lead us in walking towards you. God, we give you all the glory for who you are and what you've done. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.